Welcome to The Real Wolf Record Club. My name is Joe. I am your host with me from The Real Wolf Record Club panel is Hannah and Ben. We've got a great show for you. And I know I say that every week, uh, like it's like it's something unique, but we do. We have a great show for you this week because it's 90s week here on The Real Wolf Record Club. Y'all remember the 90s? Simpler time. Things were, uh, you could describe something as fat or mint uh, or you could say something was da bomb and people knew what you meant. We all said that, right? And that wasn't just me. <laughs> 90s week here on the Real Wolf Record Club means we're also talking about one of the great albums from the 90s. A 1994 record that is so perfect and so hazy and sunny. And it, it ever so slightly mixes drugs and love and storytelling like only a great album from the 90s can. We're talking about an album that went triple platinum, had a bunch of hit singles, and, and for a long time was a record that if you wanted it on vinyl, it was going to set you back four to $500 as a good dues-paying millennial. I will tell you, there's nothing more perfectly millennial and 90s-ish than paying a car payment for a piece of childhood nostalgia. That's perfect. Joining us on the club today is a very talented Second City trained comedian, actor, writer who has performed regularly around the country. She ended up on Conan and she's just released a comedy album called Beach Trash. The name just makes me laugh. Beach Trash, which debuted at number one on iTunes. And more importantly for the theme of this episode, she is a geriatric millennial who will totally get all of the references we ask her about. The wonderful and talented Valerie Tossi is here with us. Welcome, Valerie Tossi, to the Real Wolf Record Club. Oh my gosh, thanks so much for having me. This is great. <laughs> um, but panel, Valerie, before we get started, I got a little bit of fan mail. Oh. Uh, every, every so often we get fan mail. Um, I, I guess I, it may be presumptuous to call it fan mail. Um, it seems friendly. Uh, it wasn't in all caps. Oh, and it fa didn't... famous last words. It famous seems last friendly. words. Uh, it didn't have any slurs or anything like that. Um, uh, I'll just, I'll read it. It's very short. It says, it's from either Al Bridge or Al Bridge from Waukegan, Illinois. And Al writes, hi, Joel. <laughs> he starts strong. Um, listeners, my name is not Joel. Uh, hi, Joel. I need advice. I have a new girlfriend and I think I want her to move in with me. I also have two cats. One cat likes her. One cat doesn't. Should I get rid of the cat? You know what I mean. Also, have you met Bob Dylan? Signed, Al Bridge. Um, There's a lot happening in that <laughs> There is a lot. There's a lot happening. Um, not only he called me Joel, like I'm some doofus named Joel. All apologies to people named Joel, but I don't wear turtlenecks. Um, I think he may have us confused with another podcast. Uh, maybe not, but... But panelist, Valerie, uh, what do you think? Should Albridge kill one of his cats? Because I think that's where he was going. What is going on? Like, I can't. This is an unhinged email to send to somebody. Should I get? I'm thinking about having my girlfriend move in. Should I just, you know, kick out the tiny little being that has given me unconditional love for X amount of years in to make way for this woman who, for whatever reason, this can't floozy. get with a cat? Like, what? <laughs> Oh but uh, he, well, he so let's just say, like he says, you know what I mean. That may mean I would obviously give them up for adoption. I don't or know. I don't trust him. I think he's going <laughs> to eat the cat. 
Are you kidding me? Also, who signs it? Who signs fan mail? Oh, by the way, have you met Bob Dylan? <laughs> like I've, what? So that's the part that confuses me because I, I feel like, you know, we've had guests from, from kind of all over and, and some, you know, we're here in the twin cities of Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota, some local, some national, some all over. I don't know that we're like exclusively Minnesotan, but I feel like him throwing that in a like, I know where you live. Bob Dylan lives there. Have you met him? Like a little, I, yeah. I feel like all the Bob Dylan up. sightings are up north. I, do we still have Bob? <laughs> I mean, he did. What if people what if see he him? thought? What if he thought he was emailing Billy Joel? Does Billy Joel have a? Does Billy Joel? I would ask Billy Joel for relationship advice. I totally would. <laughs> Can you? Oh, he would be the, literally the worst person to give you relationship advice. Have you seen him or listened or to his him? relationship? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, ah. Well, <laughs> like, I mean, also as a cat owner myself, I would never give up my cats. Of course I mean, not. Like, ever. <laughs> listen, they're like my children. <laughs> to quote a great. Oh, no, not great. He wasn't very great, actually. Um, anyways, to quote a well-known singer who is no longer with us, uh, I, uh, what would you do for, no, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. I mean, to think, like, what if this, what if Al is in love? You know, love gets in the way of a lot. I mean, what if this is Al's last chance? And that cat's, I mean, old. What if he's got a neighbor who will take the cat? Does that change things? No, it does not. I cannot believe this. I, I like. I am. I'm furious right now. I can't believe you opened up with this drama. We like, I can't. This is the best. I'm listening up the crowd. I wasn't ready for this. <laughs> it's like your 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 warm up act coming on. And be like, who wants to talk about the Holocaust? Let's go. <laughs> like, I listen. I am. I am nurturing my 18 year old cat to health right now. That cat drinks filtered water okay oh, like and to, hear, and to hear this maniac be like i don't know should i just get rid of this cat like what i can't absolutely the, not. there's another thing we should be very careful of because uh i don't really want to stimulate or encourage a conversation with al about this further it's sort of like yeah i'm so glad you found our podcast and i'm so glad you sent us this note um we're not your guys uh but but um i think what i would say is it's safe to say al if you're listening no, I haven't met Bob Dylan. Um, I'd like to, but I haven't. Um, anyways, the bigger thing is don't kill your cats. Don't don't kill your cats. Don't get rid of them. Don't I get think, rid of them. I, I think they're that, too old to start new lives. Of course. I also think that he maybe <laughs> asked about Bob Dylan was because he, if he does know that you guys are a music podcast, and that was probably he's like asking a real legitimate question, but was like, I got to shoehorn music in here somehow. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, 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 what is he doing? Also music. Yeah, also like, music. <laughs> weird al you gotta make it work all right your family just got bigger good for you buddy but don't kill the cats anyways um send us more send us more fan mail at uh you can follow us on twitter real wolf rc at instagram instagram at real wolf record club.com or a good old-fashioned email just like al did uh, preferably in all caps and no punctuation info at real wolf record club.com uh bringing it back like i said We've got a show that is tight. Remember that? Remember people would say it's tight. They still now, say it. <laughs> people still say it. What's the word you told me last week that some young guy in your softball team says? <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> a lot, a lot. That we can. Sounded like an assault for some reason. <laughs> like, remind me what your older men's softball league, what they Wait. asked you. What did they say? They said? While he was no. passing you the Metamucil, can you remind everybody what it was? Um, well. <laughs> I, yeah, um, I don't know which one you're referring to. It's probably not from said softball. something about your... No, it was about baseball cleats, and he said something. He was doing oh, to describe yeah. him, and I was like, what? He said, he said, though, he's... <laughs> I a lot is gonna be disclosed in this episode. Thank you very much uh, for joining us, Valerie. Uh, I because I like to party, as I like to say, I texted out a picture to my softball team of my new softball cleats, and the younger guy on the team that we keep around because he's fast and can hit said, "Those are filthy," and I showed Hannah. And she's That's like, what it "Was she's like they're brand new." Like you're such a mom. <laughs> like Joe, are you sending around unsolicited cleat picks again? Cheat picks. I, I keep cleat picks. I know. I um, never heard someone say that before. I was like, filthy. They're perfectly clean. They're brand the, new. The other one people say a lot that it doesn't make sense is they when they talk about music exp- uh, specifically, they say it slaps. Yeah. I, I mean, see that makes more sense because like you slap a bass. <laughs> What are you, am corn? I, am I, do I understand <laughs> it now? Am I, do, okay, look, I know we're I all it right? I know we're all older uh, geriatric millennials, as we have undoubtedly said. But I, it's so funny because I forget that because I live in a city of Peter Pans where no one wants <laughs> to grow up, that I forget that I hear all this stuff and I like weirdly indoctrinate it. You know what yeah. I mean? It doesn't catch me off guard. But to hear somebody that lives not in LA or New York city, just in a regular part of the country. Be like, what the heck does this mean? <laughs> like, it is truly fascinating and wonderful. Well, I mean, but the, the, you okay. If some music you'd say like, well, not, I mean, Hannah's corn reference, it's slapping the bass. Oh my God. Um, but like when you say something bangs, like that makes sense. It like might bang in the speakers in your Honda in high school parking lot, USA, Main Street, USA. Uh, that makes sense. It uh, thumps. I think that's a thing people might have once said, but slaps. Anyways, back on track. <laughs> back on track. Uh, let's talk to our guest. Valerie Tossie, uh, as I told you, she's a wonderful comedian. She's very talented, and you're going to see her all over the place, all over, very soon. Uh, Valerie, I described you at the start of the show as a geriatric millennial. Um, Was that fair? I mean, you're one of us, right? I mean, look, yes, but uh, I... Yeah, my knees hurt when it rains. I mean, what do you want me to say? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I am, but I also, like I said, I live in a city where, like, it keeps you young because you kind of are forced into it. You know what Mm. I mean? Like, so I, I am a geriatric millennial and like certain things, like I have a, I have a joke where I tell people I'm like, we get, we're getting bullied into center parts now. Like I came from for hair. Like I came from the time of just a side part. That's just what you did. And now everyone's doing this middle part and I hate it because I look like an innkeeper's wife. (laughs) (laughs) It makes me look very plain and very old and I don't like it. Valerie plain and tall. I love it. Yes. And that was so, and, and for those of you that are too young to know, Sarah plain and tall is a book that was on the required reading list for when we were younger. I think it was a Caldecott book. Wasn't it? Oh, Oh God. I I mean, you know, it's good. 
I just love I did not expect <laughs> Valerie Tossi to tell me about Caldecott um, nominees. Oh, I was a nerd when I was younger. I had no friends. All I did was read. Books were my friends. Were you in uh, theater growing up? <laughs> of course I was. Uh, <laughs> it's all coming together. Did you hear the bit on my album about my terrible tattoo? Oh, yeah. With the music notes. Oh, the, it's the yeah. comedy and tragedy masks. I, I'm not kidding. <laughs> it was so bad that it made it onto Jimmy Kimmel. That's how bad it was. <laughs> I mean, but I, I, I'm interested with tattoos. It's uh, probably cute. I, I, I'm interested to know, though. I mean, when you did these things, was there any inkling that as it's happening, you're like, this will always age well? Or you just kind of knew, like, I'm living for the moment, baby. I'm getting it done. I love doing things that I'll probably regret later. <laughs> <laughs> and I, well, here's the thing. The, t the That particular tattoo is a tramp stamp. So the beauty is, is while it is forever, I technically never have to see it. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to think about it. It's it's my partner's problem. So. <laughs> fair, fair point. Uh, when you were in drama, and yes, I did listen to almost fantastic and I still have it saved and all the good stuff. Uh, but tell me what, what were you in, uh, in drama? What were, what were you, your chosen field? Your what? Uh, <laughs> you could be what singer. You could be stagehand. Is that a thing? Stagehand. You, you were a, you were a sports person, weren't you? <laughs> what are you like a singer or something? What are you, what are you like paint the, the trees you, you on paint stage? The trees? What do you, what do you do? <laughs> We're uh, hockey players, Valerie. Oh, I should have yeah. known. Um, <laughs> I so I was a theater nerd. I was a theater major, even. Uh, hmm. uh, yeah, and um, I did both straight plays. I did musical theater. I did it all. I directed a little bit. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I I loved it. <laughs> what did you play? I did it all. I love it. I did it all. Well, I played also in like uh, I was in band too, so I played instruments and stuff. So I did both. Oh, and wow. you've, you've obviously got a musical background. You also enjoy music. You're on a music podcast, but you described on your, your album, Beach Trash, your parents as stoner dirtbags, um, lovingly in the most loving which, way. Which they love. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love that uh, be, because every, you know, talking about music, every stoner that I've ever met has always been somebody who is the best music fan. Like people oh, that yeah. will tell you. yeah, yeah, yeah super deep shit about an album or a song that they love did they kind of influence or support or help you get into music 1000 percent. like they they weren't the ones that like got me into band and stuff but my dad got me into like music at, like at its core like he um that was one thing like my dad and i would we had a lot of growing pains when i was growing up and uh because like ironically, like I was a very nerdy goody two shoes kid, but because my parents were such stoners and troublemakers that they just always thought that I was up to something, which was their hmm. guilty conscience. So I would get in <laughs> trouble for not doing anything wrong, like constantly. And so, uh, so it's so funny because I remember like the music that my dad and I, that was our like common ground. That's what yeah. we always would bond over. And like, we'd so many sessions of like, Hey, come out into the garage. I want you to listen to something. And he, cause he'd have like a whole set up out there where he would play different things for me. And, um, and it was like, I remember as I got older, cause I never really got into Led Zeppelin until I was older. And finally I was like, dad, how come, I was like, how come you never showed me Led Zeppelin when I was younger? Like, it's such a blind spot. It's crazy to me that you never showed me any of their stuff. And my dad goes, oh, you weren't ready. 
Oh. <laughs> Led Zeppelin oh. will show to you he, when you are yeah, ready. He literally yeah. said that to me. He goes, oh, you'll find it when you're ready. And you did. And I was like, what? Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's old school. <laughs> uh, and was your mom into music too? Oh, yeah. But they, they were interesting because they, they definitely had a lot of overlap. But there was also certain things that my mom really loved that my dad never necessarily like he he didn't hate it, but it was just never like his thing. Mm. So like I remember like my mom the 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 two albums or I guess technically three that I would listen to all the time of my mom's when I was stuck cleaning was uh, the Immaculate Collection Madonna, uh, Carly Simon's album that has I forget the name of it, but it's, it obviously has Sir Sylvain on it, and then um, the Bonnie Raitt uh, Road Tested album. Wow. Mm. Yeah. So like those three were just like on constant repeat when I was bumming around the house, like doing laundry and stuff. That's the second reference to chores you have there. Um, I think we need to unpack That's it. all I did. <laughs> <laughs> Cleaning again, but yeah. at least I got music. Uh, they used body to call rate. me Valorella, which I hated to this <laughs> Who day. Who called you that? My parents. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, poor Valorella has to do the laundry. And I'm like, you realize how messed up this is that you're calling me that, right? And all this stuff. Deal with it. Like, I'll send you the bill in therapy in 10 years. <laughs> oh. oh, that's fantastic. Um, and I mean, you know, obviously you've, you've come a long way since Valorella, but, uh, mm. was there a point I'm always curious to know this and maybe this is the hackiest question ever, but I'm always curious to know you, you can trace you can trace how people get involved into, you know, theater or music or performing arts. Was there a point though for stand up comedy? Cause it feels like that's like the, that's to me, that's the truest, like it's you. There's nothing yeah. else. There's maybe a spotlight. It's you. Like, was there a point where you're like, I want to do this and I think I can do it? You know, somebody say, hey, you're funny. Here's a mic. Or how did it happen? It's funny because a lot of people that are stand-up comedians have wanted to do it since they were young and they started really young. Mm -hmm. I was the complete opposite where I had, it wasn't even on my radar. Like, it wasn't a thing I ever thought about. I didn't start stand-up until I was 29. Wow. And, yeah, which is crazy. And I had done improv and sketch for a long time. I was obviously acting and all that other stuff. And I kind of hit a lull. I wasn't booking and I was, I just felt really stuck and stagnant. And I had had people tell me before, they're like, I feel like you would do really well at stand up. Like you're, you're a good storyteller. Like, I, I don't know why you've never done it. And I was like, ugh, gross. No, thanks. <laughs> and then, like I said, I got stuck and uh, somebody that I knew from doing improv and sketch was teaching a stand up class. And I was like, I mean, sure. Like I, I love, I've always been a nerd and like taking classes and like the accountability mm -hmm. of it and all that. So I was like, all right. So I took a class and it was that thing that just clicked where I was like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And it was like, because the thing I love about standup is that there's so many facets of this business where you're not in control and you have to wait for opportunities and people you meet and, and all this other stuff. Stand-up is the one thing that nobody can take away from you. Nobody can tell you you can't do it. You can literally drop yourself in the middle of the country and just get on stage. And, and it's just you and a microphone, and that is it. And it can be in a coffee shop or it can be in a theater of 2,000 people, and it doesn't matter. And it's, it's, I love it. It's, it strikes me as excuse me there's a there's a lot of hustle involved so to speak yeah. like you can you hear the stories people talk about doing three sets a night or running around i mean is that is that kind of what you're getting at a little bit that no matter where you go you always have this craft you can bring your show with you 
Yeah. Like when I was, um, when I was shooting my episode for stand against evil, we were shooting it in, um, in Atlanta and you know, we're a set days are always crazy long. You're on mm -hmm. set for usually like 10 to 12 hours, if not more. And, and you're exhausted by the end. And my idiot face was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go do shows after I've been on set all day. Oof. And like the entire time I was there, I would go and do not just one, but like multiple sets after I'd been on set all day. And everyone was like, you're out of your goddamn mind. And I was like, <laughs> yep, <laughs> like, sure am. But that was the thing is just like, I loved it so much. And it it's so fun to play in different cities and get to see different cards and what works and what doesn't. And like, I just, yeah, like I do, mm. I, 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 can't it's it's an addiction but i love it so much uh what's what's a great comedy city in america that we might not know about everyone talks about new york everyone talks about la what's a great city that you love to play good question um there's a quite a few um denver is an amazing comedy city the crowds are so smart and like they're really they're really open for like weird they're they're they just they love they really love comedy um i also really love where I recorded my album, which was in Bloomington, Indiana. It's this tiny little college liberal town in the center of a red state. And, you know, everybody just, again, loves comedy, really smart. Um, they've got the audiences trained really well where they respect it. And they're not, you know, they're, they're like in it. They're there to see you. They don't care if you're famous or not. Like they just, they know they're going to see really good comedy and it's, it's so fun. How did you get connected? I mean, what about Bloomington that drew you there? I mean, there's probably something that brought you there yeah well i mean for recording my album first of all uh it was because my family wasn't there <laughs> and uh, i love them but they are distracting and i knew that they would heckle me and they would cause a ruckus and i was like i'm not doing what, this hold on what's one heckle that you would that if you had to imagine be like if i invite my family somebody's gonna say this shit what would it okay. be okay Perfect example. I was just home on the East Coast. I was doing a show in New This was literally not even a month ago. I was doing a show in New Hampshire and my aunt was at this show. And they don't a lot of times they don't try to heckle, it just happens. And so <laughs> I I was doing this joke I have about dirty talk and I asked I asked the audience, I was like, um, who here likes dirty talk? And there was like weird noises and I was like, yeah, I was like, who here thinks they're good at it? And I heard somebody go, well, I think I'm pretty good at it. And I was like, who was that? Because I couldn't see. And my oh, no. friend was sitting at the table with my aunt. My, and my friend was like, that was your aunt. <laughs> and I was like, and then it was so funny because I was like, I went over. I was like, oh, if you think for one second, I'm just going to leave this alone. And I like, why don't I literally got off stage and went to the table? And I was like, all right. I was like, you did this to yourself. Oh. So like, that's the thing is that they can't help themselves. Like, like even like... <laughs> I went back and listened to an old set of mine when I was playing Laugh Boston. And like my mom was sitting, I was having somebody record my set. My mom was sitting near the camera, which I was like, oh no. And there were so many times where it was like supportive heckling where I could hear my mom just be like, you're doing great. <laughs> and I was like, what are you doing? Like, what's stopping? Like, oh God. Thanks mom. Hear, oh yeah. Or I'd hear my dad be like, I never said that. And I'd be like, oh my God. <laughs> oh god so okay so you chose bloomington indiana to mm. get away from family yeah. hectic supporting or otherwise uh but what else drew you there it was also the first club that i was ever passed at um when i there's a really amazing comedy festival that they put on every year called limestone 
And the the best perk of getting into that festival, which is very hard to get into, is that you're automatically passed at that club and you'll um, get a feature weekend like once a year from kind hmm. of from then on out. And so I, uh, when I did it, um, I ended up featuring for Dana Gould, who I featured for a lot on the road. And um, yeah, and that was, so that was the first club that passed me. I just really loved it. I've always loved going back. There's just, they really care. They're huge comedy fans. They're really supportive. They're one of the best clubs in terms of being really good about trying to book equally for men and women and diversity. And they also don't mess around with people that are bad people. They won't book anybody that has like, you know, me, been me too and stuff sure. like that where they're just like why we're not doing that and i was like thank you because most people will still book them yeah so. that's that's unfortunately still a thing it, it appears that there's people that it can bounce back pretty easily but um you you mentioned dana gould uh you've worked with him for you featured for him for quite a while was that where you got mm-hmm. connected the first time and or did you guys kind of hit it off there or? no we so <laughs> So Dana and I met because I got kicked out of (laughs) (laughs) Comic-Con. All right. Good. Good stuff. Um, So basically what happened, long story short, the person I was dating was working for um, a big channel that was doing stuff at Comic-Con. They gave me their badge. I uh, got caught with the badge that wasn't mine. I got, uh, but I wouldn't let them take me down. They were like, yeah, we just need to verify that this is you. They're like, can you just show us your ID? I was like, oh, I left my wallet back in the hotel. And they were like, well, can you put up your Facebook account on your phone? I was like, my phone's dead. I've been at the con all day. Like, like I was like, you're not getting me. And so I got booted out. I'd never even been inside. I literally went in to grab somebody else's badge and bring it out for them. And then when I went to go back in, that's when they nailed me. And I was like, I literally, it was my first time at Conicon. Still uh-huh. hadn't been to Comic-Con. So Dana happened to be at the, uh, at the con because he was promoting his show Stand Against Evil, but also was doing shows at American Comedy Company. And so my friend was opening for him at the time. And so she's like, come meet us for lunch. And, and so I met up with them. He and I hit it off because we're both uh, Massachusetts dirtbags. <laughs> kept kind of like, you know, uh, reminiscing about family drama and be, trying to re- one-up the other one. Yeah. And after that, he asked me to do his podcast. And then we just became really good friends because we bonded over all that. And plus the X-Files we were both big fans of and all that. So, but the best part is that fast forward to a year later, uh, he wrote me a part in his show mm. and I got to go back to Comic-Con the following year as a guest to promote the show that I was on. <laughs> and I was like, suck it! <laughs> Kick me out now. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm back! <laughs> oh, I love that. I love I love that part, though, the, the interaction uh, getting kicked out because you just described Hannah's worst nightmare. Every event I've ever said, hey, those seats are open, let's go up. Like she's oh, picturing God. the shakedown, the shakedown yeah. going to happen and you're going to get Getting the sweats just thinking about getting caught. <laughs> See, this is why I wasn't afraid of it because my mom and the, like, we would like, I went to a hockey game with her a couple years ago and it was in mass. It was in mass. We we're going to see the Bruins and we had like nosebleed seats. And she's like, come on, we're going to go down. We're going to get up against the glass. I was like, what are you out of your mind? I was like, we're not doing that. She goes, what are they going to do to an old lady? Kick me out, please. <laughs> and so we just went and we were right up against the glass for the whole game. I was like, you're out of your mind. Like, 
Oh, it's all about the confidence, I guess. I just sell it. Yeah, pretend like oh, you've been act there. Act like these are your seats. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so funny. I was like, I cannot believe this right now. Uh, well, I, I'm so glad to hear about the the kind of, you know, how you got into that, to the point where you've released an album that was debuted at number one on iTunes. But it's been a, it's been a trip, man. It's been a couple of tough years. And I, I have to imagine that, like a band, you can play outside. You you yeah. can, you know you can fake it outside. You can even do probably theater outside to some degree, but comedy. I mean, you guys, how did you guys get through it? Because you obviously was, got through it, but it was awful. Um, I I was really freaked out, and because I know different parts of the country had different experiences. Because if you were in a place that was a little more rural and more spread out, you had a little more freedom. Didn't mean that you weren't going through some shit, but you guys, yeah. you know, it wasn't. You had houses and yards and. And, sure. you know, when you're in a crazy city like L.A., you know, it's especially because a lot of people are multi-generational. They, if one person gets sick and they're all living in the same house, everyone gets sick. It's really scary. And so um, and it's just more denser of a population, too. So um, I didn't do shows for a long time. I tried to do one that they said was socially distanced and outdoors. And when I got there, it very much was not. And so I was Oof. like, I'm not I'm not risking this I'm, I, again. I'm not doing this. So I done one show in essentially like what I what was it to how long did, did we wait to get the vaccine? It was like a, over a year, a year, year and a half, and, I guess. Yeah, a year and yeah. a few. Yeah. So I hadn't done uh, anything. I mean, I did Zoom shows, which honestly, a lot of people were like, oh, it's so lame. I loved it. I still do them because really? it's a yeah, it's a I mean, it's, think about it. It's a, it's a great way to run your material while not having to sacrifice a ton of your day. You know, yeah. you can meet and make fans in places that you normally wouldn't have any type of reach to. And I get to not put on makeup and sit in a chair. <laughs> Are you kidding me? This is great. <laughs> and a lot of the times you get paid more money to do those than you do to do regular comedy. It's so, it's insane. So I, uh, so yeah, so I didn't do anything for a long time. And I, I, I kind of channeled that energy into trying to do other stuff. I like, mm -hmm. I worked at a vac site for six months just to like have interaction with people and try to help. I, I volunteered and worked the election even before there was no vaccine. I was like working indoors at the election for over a week for like 12 hour days. And I was, I was just, I was like, I made peace with it. I was like, I'm going to get COVID. It's going to happen. This is going to be where, and I knock on wood still have not gotten it. <laughs> <laughs> Good for <Undefeated>. you. <laughs> uh, uh, you still do zoom shows though. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's, I mean, to me, I mean, obviously, you know, we record in a lot of, we do a lot of things on, on internet now, but it just, it's such a, it's good to hear that innovation piece for, for an, a medium that depended on interaction, allowing, giving someone a space to, to create and to perform. And, and so it's good to hear that, that, that kind of still continued. Is it, is it well attended still or? It depends. Um, I think it's a lot about the production quality and kind of like, it's the same thing with a regular show in a way where it's like, well, how, how is your marketing? Are you like putting in the time and the money and actually like trying to get people out? And, you know, some of them are shows that started during COVID and they built a following and a fan base. And so they're still doing really well, but, um, you know, other places, other, I've done shows where there's been just the comedians on it, you know, but, but even then it's kind of then just like a virtual open mic in a way. And you're still getting to kind of work through your stuff. And there's so many things that you can do to over zoom that you couldn't do, um, on stage and in a regular situation. Like so many people that really kind of maximized 
the situation. Like um, Danny Jollis is a really funny comedian who's been on Colbert and he would like do a lot of things. He would like pre-record segments and things and use them as his background and like play off of it and do like a ton of like really interesting things with it that, you know, it was so fun and fun to watch that you, you know, you don't get that in a real show because you don't have that, um, you know, you just don't have access to that. Sure. Um, well, that be prior to all, all that, <laughs> all living through and adapting and innovating, uh, you were at Second City. Uh, tell me mm-hmm. about that. Yeah, I was started at Second City. Um, so when I moved to California, to LA, I, I was 23. It was in 2008. And um, that's right, folks. Do the math. I'm 37. There you go. Uh, <laughs> and so I, um, when I was thinking about and trying to move out here, I didn't really know what I wanted. I, I was, like I said, a theater and a band kid, but I kind of, I straddled the line between the two and didn't know what I wanted to focus on more. And finally, I decided it was going to be acting but I didn't really know what I was doing. And so um, prior to moving out here, I worked as a 911 dispatcher for a local police department for three years. And I know, <laughs> real, real curveball. And so I would sit at the desk a lot of days and have nothing to do and just be watching TV or whatever. And I saw a lot of stuff with Tina Fey. Mm-hmm. I loved her and was like, and she kept talking about Second City. And I was like, what the heck is that? And I Googled it. And I was like, oh, there's one in LA. All right. And so I literally just signed up for a class and that was my like, okay, well you signed up for this class in another state. So you better get a move on because you paid for it. Mm. And so I got to LA on a Monday. I started at Second City that Friday. And then I was just, that was it. I was there for years. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listeners, if you haven't checked out a Second City, wherever they're located, they have kind of that performance piece. And I mean, these are, these are people that, you know, to your point, Valerie, whether you see them, you know, that's, it could be nobody or not, or they might turn out to be the next biggest thing, but it is some of the funniest. We've gone to the second city performance stage, several of them in Chicago. And it's some of the, the most fun you'll see, cause it's people at their core doing a lot of improv and a lot of different things. It really is impressive. And they're all people that go on to do like crazy stuff, like Keegan-Michael Key, who from, um, uh, from Key and Peele, he literally like coached my team for a while like out here, like he's the, he's the nicest dude. Um, like he, he came from there, you know, Colbert is from there. Like everybody, it was like a factory for turning out people from SNL and, and and mad TV and all that stuff. So it's like, it's crazy. They're great. You, uh, I, you know, I do my research. Oh, Uh -oh. (laughs) Uh -oh. Uh, you you actually, you teach or coach, uh, stand-up. I was, oh, no. yeah, I was. Well, I still do. I, I teach occasionally. It's it's kind of tough because I'm on the road a lot. So it's really whenever I'm kind of around and I know I'm going to be in town for a few weeks. But um, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> as as somebody, uh, you, you know, obviously you're coaching, you're teaching, you're observing. What well, uh, I'll ask you, and then I'll give you an example. Uh, you know, what is what is something that you see comedians or aspiring comedians or even working comedians now do that just drives you bonkers? I'll, I'll give you an example as a lawyer, uh, day by day. If I see a backpack lawyer in suit again, I'm going to scream. If I see (laughs) uh, tennis shoes and suit lawyer, um, ponytail lawyer is one you see a lot. I I watched Cold Case Files a couple of episodes a few weekends ago because, you know, I like to have a good time. And um, let's just say that two episodes in a row, the defendant's attorney had a ponytail. And so I guess what I'm saying is 
if you're accused of a crime and your attorney has a ponytail, chances are you have escaped justice for far too long. Um, <laughs> so I, those are examples of things in my field that just drive oh me God. bonkers that I see and I'm like, you can't have a backpack and a suit. What's your problem? You going to homeroom? Uh, what's something you see? What's something you see in your field as a comedian and a and a coach that drives you bonkers? Well, first of all, some people have a commute, Joe. And I'm just kidding. <laughs> gotcha. But um, uh, some things that I see, you know, I think stand up is interesting because the the first few years of you trying to be a comedian is kind of figuring out who the heck you are. And a lot of people fight who they are and they try to emulate other comedians on stage and you can see it. Like you can, you can watch and be like, Oh, they, they're, they're trying to be a Kevin Hart. Oh, they're trying to be, you know, uh, an Amy Schumer. They're trying to be like, you can just kind of watch as it's happening. And, and this is what I tell all my students as I tell them that you have to be vulnerable. You have to be willing to talk about things that are personal because everyone's going to make the same observations you know, everyone has jokes about airline food. Everyone has jokes about, you know, uh, whatever it is, a DMV. Like you have to find what is special about you and talk about things that are personal to you because then you're not going up against other people having the same material. You're telling things that are really interesting and that other people haven't heard. And, and I know a lot of people get weird about that where they're like, well, how do I talk about my personal life and about the people in my personal life? without getting in trouble or getting people mad at me and like things like that. And there's definitely a way to do it. And I always kind of reference um, this really great quote by Anne Lamont, who's a author. And she talks a lot about writing and kind of the process of writing where she has this quote where she says um, that you own your, you own everything that happens to you, that you tell your stories and that if people wanted you to speak more warmly about them, they should have behaved better, <laughs> which is wonderful. Because yeah. it means like, don't be a dick, you know, yeah. but like mm -hmm. also you're, that happened to you too, you mm -hmm. know, change some names, finesse things if you need to. But like, per, like I talk about my family all the time and I know and have learned through trial and error <laughs> what I can say and what I can't say. And you just, you, you find a way to walk that line. And, but I think it's important to really be truthful to who you are and tell your story. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I love that because that's, that's to me, one of the things that makes comedy great stand. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge comedy fan. We all are here, but it, it, it is so personal and the ones that really make you laugh and make you just kind of, you want to come back for They tell such a personal story. Um, <laughs> With that, your personal story, at least as most of our listeners will hopefully know very soon, if not already, is is Beach Trash. How did be How did Beach Trash? I can't say the title without laughing because then I look at the picture and it's you hanging out at uh where where are you? Tell me about Beach Trash. The cover. Oh, I oh I sure will. So um, <laughs> so Beach Trash is the name of my Beach album. Trash. The the album artwork, uh, if anybody is looking at it, is you're like Beach Trash, but why is she in front of? a carousel in an Adirondack chair that is shot in my hometown on the beach at our <laughs> shitty little carnival ass beach. I don't even know if I can swear on this podcast, but here you I can. am. And, uh, and it, it calls for it where I'm from. And so uh, our beach, it, it's Salisbury beach. It is a trashy little touristy beach town that I love so much. I say trash, like just with all the love in my heart because it's you know it had its it's a heyday and it's and you've you know we've all seen when 
cities and towns have like you could tell that they're like kind of the shell of what of of the grandeur yeah. of once was and so there's like weird castle like fake castles that are actually businesses there there's like <laughs> more than one arcade there's like are, there's bars down the beach called uh, called bevy bees and uncle eddie's like there's like it's it is everything you can imagine and so when I was growing up, the high school I went to were all regional. Uh, it was a regional high school, had multiple towns that went to it. And the other towns were more like kind of rural farm areas that were, uh, it's all mostly white kids. You, most of them were upper middle class, if not higher. But Salisbury was a lot of lo like lower income. And, and they used to refer to all the kids that came from Salisbury as beach trash. And so oh. I, oh yeah. And so it's fine because Jeez. I co-opted it and was like, oh yeah, I am. I'm beach trash, like a thousand percent. And so I was like, yeah, you take it back, you know? So I was oh. like, that is, that is the name of my album because that is what I am. When I love that talking about uh, beach trash, it's a personal album. It's one that obviously um, it's, it's very funny and definitely check that out. Listeners, beach trash uh, debut number one on Apple iTunes. <laughs> Did on I the just iTunes, on the Apple. iTunes charts, yes. <laughs> Apple and on iTunes. On that thing the kids listen to on the Mac. I don't know. I on have the Macintosh. Uh, gotcha. It's all just a bunch of fire emojis to Joe. Fire emojis. This is how Joe just re just revealed that he's an Android user. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I that he's a... an Android. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, in any event, Valerie Tossi's album, Beach Trash, please, please check it out. It's very funny. I can't even say the name without laughing because I think it's great. Um, Valerie, now is the time, though. However, we do uh, Ched Talk. Are you ready to play Ched Talk here on the Real Wolf Record Club? I I mean I I think so. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> people are always like people are always like where did Ched came from? And I'm like because these dickheads. I said we need to name our logo Wolf. We need to name them. We need to come up with something. And they were like oh, whatever. So uh... so you went with Ched? <laughs> Boom! There it is. That's that's exactly it. It's, it's not... like, what did you do? Take the two worst names for dudes, which were Chad and Chet, and combine them? It's Emma? almost like... Brilliance. It's almost like <laughs> Valerie Tossi. This is like the best endorsement ever. Valerie Tossi is a big-time fan of the Real Wolf Record Club because she's heard this story. Apparently, uh, not Chad. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Not Long Chad, first time using, caller. I'm just using the, the power of deduction here. Not uh, Chad, not Ted, not Chet, but Ched. There you go. So it's Ched talk here on the Real Wolf Record Club, but it's '90s, so it's MTV Spring Break edition, which means nothing. But uh, we had to make a '90s reference. We were due. Uh, Valerie Tassi, are you ready to play Ched talk? Spring I'm terrified. Edition. Let's do this. <laughs> First question. Uh, your album is titled Beach Trash. So I assume that means you're an expert on suburban beach fashion for teenage oh, boys. No. Finish this sentence. The only thing worse than mid-40s dads wearing billabong board shorts is... Oh, God. Okay. Uh... The only thing worse than mid-40s dads wearing billabong board shorts is... So wait, hold on. I have a question. Is this me in my, is this my opinion or is this like a quote from something somewhere? It's not a quote. Okay, great. It's wherever it. you want to go with it. Great. Then, uh, then that would be anybody wearing Tevas in public. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. 
God. And in, and a runner up is water shoes in public. Get out of here. Those are for a lake. That's it. Oh, fabulous. Trigger warning. Yeah, trigger warning trigger for warning. all our listeners. I live in Keen Sandals. Oh, Please know them right now. We just lost a ton of listeners. All like, Everyone's like, I hate this girl. With the rubber toe. With the rubber protective toe. Oh, we are in Minnesota. Um, what, I know. I just, I just crucified your fan base. What is the first room you ever played? Or what was the first room you ever played? How does this have to do with the 90s? Okay. It does. Um, because you're a geriatric millennial and I assumed you played the 90s. I was the oldest I was in the 90s was like, what? 14, 15. First, the first room I ever played, uh, th- besides my class show was, uh, which nope, happened that's in, like, your answer. Class show. Tell us about that. Well, that was, I wouldn't count that because it's like, it was kind of just for us. So like the first like show I did that was outside of class was at uh Busby's East in, uh, like in mid city out here. Uh, I was in a dress because I thought that that's what you're supposed to wear to a comedy <laughs> show. And I have a recording of this set that is uploaded somewhere on my computer. I still have not been able to allow myself to watch it. I'll start watching it. And all I hear is myself introduce myself. And I'm like, nope. And I literally just turn it <laughs> off because it's so bad. Like I remember I have a visceral memory of watching it back the day the night that I did it. And it was like, I hate whoever this person thinks she is. And so, but I was very self-aware and it like, and it was good because it it forced me to be like, this is not who you want to be. And so, yeah, so that was it. (laughs) Side note here, this doesn't count as one of your fun questions, but uh, who names comedy clubs? This wasn't a comedy club. It was a venue that is, uh, so it's kind of like a sports bar that uh, has like, yeah, it's like a sports bar, but like the moth would do um, story slams there. Mm. And like, so they, they just had a big venue, like a big, a gotcha. floor that had a big stage. Yeah. Gotcha. I always love hearing those stories when you hear comedians tell about, well, I played, you know, Snickles at, you know, or, or like, like the sh- chuckle hot or whatever the heck it is. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, that sounds fabulous. I'm sure the food's great. Uh, <laughs> next question here on Ched Talk with Valerie Tossi. Bop it, Boy Meets World or Gushers? Oh man! Which, why, oh. Hold on. Which? <laughs> I have so a feeling excited. this is gonna go great. Uh, Bop it, boy meets world or gushers? Which ruined more lives? Oh, Bop it. The arguments. Are you kidding me? <laughs> gushers ruined teeth. They didn't yeah. ruin people's lives. Well, because just... the chemical candy, right? Oh yeah. I, I I'm not gonna lie. I ate some literally a week ago. I was on set and they had some, and I was like, oh, I haven't had these forever. And then I had like four packs of them, like a little eight year old boy. Boy Meets World, I think was actually. I don't think that ruined lives. I think that that was actually very healing for a lot of people. In what way? It's comforting to go back and watch it. Although I can't handle how old Mr. Feeney looks now. It hurts me a little bit whenever I see him. Oh God, I have such a hard time not. Just you're right because that was like a ray of sunshine in my heart when you said Mr. Feeney. I was like, oh man, everyone loved Mr. Feeney. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> well done. Uh, '90s album that is emblematic of your teenage years. Significant Other. I'm giving you choices. Significant Other by <laughs> Limp Biscuit. The Writings on the Wall by Destiny's Child. Californication by the Red Hot Chili Peppers or Millennium by Backstreet Boys. Okay. First of all. 
It is an atrocity <laughs> that you didn't list either in sync or Alanis Morissette. It's like you don't even know me. Lip <laughs> biscuit? What is wrong with you? I just try to cover the spectrum. <laughs> oh my god. That's the one with Nookie on it, I think. So there's oh, that one. Oh, you mean the only song that anyone knows? Okay. Uh <laughs> if I had to okay, I did love Destiny's Child, but I think I think Millennium for sure would have to that would be it. Because I remember when that came out. I, what year did that come out? It had to 19, was it 99. Yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. So when that came out, fun fact, uh when when it was New Year's Eve on the millennium and coming going into 99 to 2000, uh when everyone was freaking out about the whole Y2K bananas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my parents were so freaked out because they're already not technology people. We didn't have the internet until recently. Uh <laughs> we had they're terrible. And so I wasn't allowed to go anywhere on New Year's Eve. I had to stay home. And while all of my friends had a New Year's Eve party and my parents were like, get in the basement. And I was like, (laughs) so uh, I love that album. And it makes me think of that weird memory. So, oh, and your parents, I love that on your album, you talk about, you know, your parents scoring. What was it? uh, Was it lobster? Your dad scored Taco Bell sauce. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, yeah, I for those of you that haven't heard the album, I talk about what everybody hoarded during the pandemic when everyone was concerned with things like paper towels and toilet paper and canned goods. And my dirtbag family was like, you know what we need? Multiple cases of Taco Bell's fire sauce. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with you? Like, oh. You could, I mean, you're going to look back someday and you're going to say, man, they, they kept me home from Y2K just in case. And also we had plenty of fire sauce from yep. Taco Bell. <laughs> uh, last question here on Ched Talk with Valerie Tossi. Uh, Valerie, where have all the cowboys gone? <laughs> I cannot believe you just quoted Paula Cole. Um, it's a good question. God. Oh. I mean, don't you remember? It feels like there was a lot of cowboys around, and you keep, I'll be damned if you can find any anymore. You know where they were? They, we all know where they were because they were all at the same place on January 6th. <laughs> oh, that is Ched Talk with Valerie Tossi. I think that's the right answer. Oh, we are going to take a quick break here on the Real Wolf Record Club. We are talking about wildflowers with Tom Petty and our good friend Valerie Tossi. We will be right back with more Real Wolf Record Club. <laughs> Welcome back to the Real Wolf Record Club. We are talking with the talented Valerie Tossi about the thing we haven't talked about yet, which is Wildflowers by Tom Petty. Uh, I I asked during Ched Talk with Valerie Tossi about an album uh, that would be emblematic of her experience in the 90s, and she, she hemmed and hawed between the toxic rock of Limp Bizkit and Significant <laughs> Other and Millennium by uh maybe it's millennial millennium by the backstreet boys it's millennium millennium <laughs> she remembers <laughs> all too well um i want to turn to the panel hannah ben what's an album a 90s album that best encapsulates your 90s experience and i wish just to start things off i wish i had a cooler a cooler choice uh, but whatever i was like 12 uh for mine it's pretty it was pretty hands down pretty easy it was uh cracked rear view by Hootie and the Blowfish. I remember. I mean, it was before it was before you knew, like, okay, this is 
you know, this is played on the, the, the soft adult contempo album or record or radio station. I was really into it. I was really into that album. So I, I can, I hear that album and I still think, man, so can I say Mini. something wildly inappropriate? <laughs> Please. Well, you have to okay. now. <laughs> okay. I can't wait. How, oh, this is so bad. Uh, how many hand jobs did you get while a harmonica played while you were in high school in a car? Oh, wow, that is fabulous. <laughs> um, unfortunately, uh, I think my mom and Hannah's mom still listen to the episode, so we won't be answering. <laughs> 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 but the point is that You're like, this is why we have to record in separate rooms. <laughs> this. The... <laughs> Yes, 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 listeners, Valerie Tassi has cracked the code of the Real Wolf Record Club. Um, the point is that album was a, a, a background to a lot of stuff oh, in the I 90s. Bet. <laughs> Bail me out here, panel. Uh, anyone else want to let Valerie paint your life for you? <laughs> Go ahead. You, you tell me what you listen to music, and I'll tell you what you were doing while you were listening to it. <laughs> Uh, go I'm, for I'm it. afraid to go now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Go ahead. All right. Well, I was obsessed with Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Thank Morissette. Thank you. I wore that album out. I was so fascinated by this like angry woman who is mm-hmm. just like telling it like it is. And, oh, uh, I just, I mean, that thing had to have been like just full of scratches by the time I was done with it. Like, oh, it's, okay. it's still a great album. So I think that you had David Coulier up on a dartboard and you were just throwing <laughs> hearts at him. Someday. <laughs> but I'll get you. Justice. Um, I, Justice I, that was Linus. all. <laughs> That was also one of my favorite albums. And I have a visceral memory of us playing, like you said, wearing it out. And then in fact, my friend, Jackie, that lived across the street, she had a trampoline and we used to do choreographed dance numbers on the trampoline. And every time Head Over Feet came on, it was like, all right, time to do a somersault in the air. Like, just like, <laughs> I mean, oh. the, the dance wrote itself. Yeah. yeah. Choreographed oh. itself. That's fantastic. Um, I feel like you got off easy though because you picked her favorite album. So, uh, Ben, I just have better taste than you. That's fair. That's <laughs> it's fair. true. Uh, ben, '90s album. What do you got? My my '90s album is actually one that, as I think of it, I never owned, but it's Sublime, Sublime, the self-titled album. But I'm going back to what Valerie talked about. (laughs) Is that the one with like the big tattoo across the back? It's like a clown, I think. Oh, is it a clown? What one am I? It's black and white on the. I'm I'm talking about on the CD on the CD itself. Uh, Oh, oh, printed with the with the silver shiny back. It's it's Mm. real. It's real music. Yeah, it's the tattoo on the back. Yeah, I mean this is the one. (laughs) Come on, this is the studio album. Yes. Yeah, that's the one with Santeria and Wrong Way and all that stuff. What I got. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's like the the music notes and the comedy and the tragedy across right. the Right. <laughs> so you were I hate you. Uh so you were <laughs> So what were you doing? Driving to Dunkin' Donuts in your Toyota Tercel, blasting that fucking <laughs> song? Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> God. Like, your crank window. <laughs> like, I'll get a lodge with an extra extra, please. That'd be great. April twenty ninth, nineteen ninety two. 
I yes, that the the that is a fa- <laughs> that is a fantastic album and a great reference. Knowing that Ben grew up in God's Country, Minnesota. What is there? <laughs> was there two thousand people there? Yeah. Joe, there was nine thousand at the time. 9, it's, it's, it's nearly doubled. <laughs> oh really? Oh. oh. So that yes, gotcha. It's a metropolis <laughs> many, now. How many cloves did you smoke while listening to that album? <laughs> You know, this is, I asked that question because I think this album, Wildflowers by Tom Petty, Tom Petty's been around for a long time, obviously, or or he was, uh, may he rest in peace. Uh, but it, it was an album that if you listen to it again, it is so perfectly 90s in the sense that I, I mean, who doesn't know, you don't know how to feel, you don't know how it feels and hear that song, that lyric, that hook and be like, man, I knew so many to borrow the phrase from Valerie Tossi, stoner dirtbags who absolutely love this song. And I would hear it not being a stoner dirtbag and be like, yeah, they got a point. This is a great fucking song. Absolutely. So um, I just, I don't know. Valerie, what what's your connection to this album? What, what drew you in when you wanted to talk about this? So this album kind of became, it was on my radar when I was younger, but not as much. And it's kind of like, I love rediscovering music when you get older. And this is one of those albums that as an adult has like really, I just, I love it so much. And it's so funny that you brought up how difficult it was to find on vinyl for so long, because it was like my, it was literally just my, uh, my chase that I was always trying to find was this album on vinyl. And I kept, I would always look at like weird record stores out of in weird States and towns and things, hoping that some idiot wouldn't know what they had, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so when they did the re-release on vinyl in 2020, I was like first in line on online, like waiting <laughs> to order. And I was like, finally, but, um, cause all I wanted to do was hear it, you know, in a correct setting of it on vinyl on like with a good speaker system and all that. And so, um, this album is weirdly, it's weirdly cathartic for me, um, and I know you'll probably ask me the, the questions about what the songs are that kind of spoke to me and stuff like that. But like, I also, I should also say that I, I was at Tom Petty's second to last show before he died. Mm. And so, and I wasn't even supposed to be there. I had tickets to see the Dodgers play and, uh, and I was dating somebody at the time and we were like getting ready to go. And he's like, Oh yeah, my friend offered us Tom Petty tickets tonight, but I told him that we couldn't go because we had tickets to the Dodgers. And I literally said, are you out of your damn mind? I said, screw the, the baseball tickets, call them up right now and tell them we'll go. I, I said, with people that we love like this that are older, we never know how much time they have left. We have to go. And mm-hmm. then I kid you not, like a week later, he passed away. And mm-hmm. I was like, and my boyfriend at the time was like, did you do this? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> no, it's not my fault. But like, it was like crazy just to, to be there for it and like, and it's cause he was, he was running around like somebody half his age, jumping around so youthful. And like, mm-hmm. it was just so wild. And so this album is so bittersweet now for me to listen to. And, you know, I, my two favorite songs in the album, I'm probably, I'm jumping ahead, but uh, my two favorite songs in the album are the title track wildflowers and uh, crawling back to you mm. because I feel like they are, they're interesting parallels where like wildflowers is kind of that song is so there's, it's so full of hope and kind Mm -hmm. of like this longing for like living a full life and, 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 you know, getting everything that you deserve and all this. And, 
And ca- Crawling Back to You is kind of this like masochistic heartbreak song that whenever I need to like feel all my feelings during a breakup, <laughs> I will play that song on repeat. Yeah. And and as I was like, and as I listen, it's interesting because the piano that they have in the studio is like, there's like weird echoes of this. I don't know if it's the same chords or if it's written in the same key or what, but there's certain times where they play the piano uh, in Crawling Back to You that sounds like it's almost echoing that of Wildflowers. And it's like, I don't know, it's just, it's, the whole album is just such a beautiful piece of art. And like, I got to see the documentary on the making of it that they did, um, with that they aired it, or excuse me, showed it on. Was that Somewhere You Feel Free, I believe? Mm-hmm. His daughter it, was involved with it? Yeah, it was like, the. I, I feel like they could have, it, it was a little slow, but there was like a lot of really cool kind of snippets and things that they talked about. And it was, the, it was they, they released it on the anniversary uh, of his birthday. It was his birthday, I think it was his 70th birthday. And, um, and the opening is like everybody wishing him a happy birthday, like different Mm. videos and stuff. And I just was, I saw it in the theater sobbing (laughs) at the beginning of it, like a little old baby, but like, cause after he passed too, I went to, um, cause he passed the beginning of October and then on Halloween night, uh, hotel cafe, which is a really cool little venue that's in LA. Um, they did a tribute night of all of his music with different artists that were playing. And it was like Liz Fair and Joshua Radden mm-hmm. and Garrison Starr and like all these people. And uh, I canceled all my Halloween plans. I was like, I'm going to this. Mm. And uh, they were sold out. And I stood in the standby line and still got in. And it was like, I, I like everybody was just like crying and hugging. And, like, <laughs> and it was just like, yeah, it was, yeah. Ooh, the feels. Uh, yeah. And I, I mean, there, there's something about, and, and we're not experts. I, I, I actually should shouldn't say that we are experts in what it is that draws us to these albums i don't know enough about production or music engineering to know exactly what it is but there's something i called it shiny earlier and i don't mean that in a flashy transient plastic sense i mean it in the way you talk about wildflowers it's hopeful it's sunny it's warm it makes you feel it it makes your heart happy to listen to it and that theme whether it's hope or just kind of an a breeziness kind of flows through the album and and for me it was pretty easy it's uh, at spotify uh good corporate part citizen that they are told me that this was the one of the top three songs that i listened to in all of 2020 it's time to move on and there's no message there for me that i would apply to the last few years but it just was a song that i remember distinctly listening to a lot because i think it's so pretty but also thinking about Tom Petty and thinking about at the time, you know, we had Tom Petty pass away. We've had a lot of great artists in the last few years pass away, to your point, Valerie, about seeing when they're here because you don't know when they're going to be gone. Mm-hmm. And just listening to that and listening to the words and, and feeling like, man, in a time of chaos and upheaval and all the different things happening and losing one of those great artists, it was just like, man, it was such a that weird, pretty sadness feeling of like, I can't get enough of this song and it makes me feel so sad. And that was it. But Ben, Hannah, what was your favorite track on on Wildflowers? Longtime listeners will think that ah, he's he's definitely gonna pick you wreck me because it's the <laughs> it's the most up tempo. It's I love it's that the song. most fun song uh, on the album, but it's not my favorite. And actually, my favorite is leagues above everything else, and it's don't fade on me. Mm. And I just Ooh, I love that. Awesome. It's that... a, it's a quiet yeah. calm it's a mm-hmm. slow burn and i really think it kind of to um what was his name al bridge <laughs> <laughs> oh boy al bridge. 
Oh, you mean our resident cat killer? Yeah, Albridge. Our resident cat killer. I think it just really blurs this line between Petty and Dylan. And so you get this really kind of folksy feel to it, almost like a Western feel. But it's just this really beautiful song. And uh, that's that's for me by far my favorite. And I'm sure too if I if I ask the the Spotify um, algorithm overlords what my top song was for some year, it would probably be this one. Wow, that riff in that song that mm-hmm. the don't fade, don't fade on me. That now that thing is like ah. Oh, every time I hear it, it's like it gets like stuck in your head. It's so good, isn't it? It's fascinating. I if you look up on this album, it's you know, there's Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and they released so many great albums. This was a, the the solo album, and and I don't mean this like it, he sounds like he was being a you know dick about it, but Petty and Rick Rubin worked on this album together, and the people playing that sweet awesome riff and all the you know the stuff you hear is the Heartbreakers, mm-hmm. and apparently Petty said something to the effect of we didn't we didn't really want to be strapped down with five guys on this thing. I mean, it. So I, I want to say, well, it sounds like you're being kind of a a, a, a jerk. I'm gonna about play it. your music and yeah, shut up. up. You don't get, <laughs> you don't get any say. But I, but to the point of like that's. I mean, there's something genius about that. That like he clearly knew what I want to do on this album, and it's not that I don't love you guys, but I don't need all these voices on. I just need you to fill mm-hmm. in what I've mm-hmm. created. And I mean, there's some genius about that. Whether it be "Don't Fade on Me" or or any other of the great songs on it, it's just. You know he he needs these people, but I also need you to just do your part here. So, um, Hannah, what what's your favorite song on this record? Uh, I had a hard time picking because <laughs> I wanted to pick something that seemed more interesting. But I love you, Rack Me. It's so good. I love that it's the up tempo kind of rocker on the album, and I just couldn't say no to it. I get so excited. Every time the song comes on, she does. So. She goes nuts. You're like, like she we, chose. She's like, I chose the the one song that sounds like with the heartbreakers. Yeah. <laughs> we actually have a special room in our house. It's the rage room where Hannah just goes and puts you wreck me on, and she just. just I just go for it. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is such a great track, and it is. It's. It's that to me. It's that respite from some of the. It's not a sad album, I don't think, but there's parts that, in looking back to your point in retrospect, where you feel a little bit like, "Damn, man, we lost a great one there." He he was mm-hmm. just he was so talented, and he had such good songs that this one is kind of like, "I still got it," even at this point, and it reminds you. Um, but but to that, you know, there's a lot of great parts that we'll pull out. We always pull out the favorite moment. Valerie, is there a favorite moment on the album that maybe isn't on one of the songs you've talked about already? The um that riff that I was going to be one of the ones that I was going to say, but also um lyric wise and crawling back to you the the one the lyric that I love every time I hear it it's one of those ones where you're just like oh man yeah you get it that one line where he says most things I worry about never happen anyway mm. and you're just like ah you know when you hear it because it's it's so true and you're, it's like wild to hear somebody that that is you feel like is on like another planet than you to be like oh they also feel and ha- are having the same human experience and mm-hmm. it is like that one thing that you're like oh we are all connected like it's like woo woo juju as that is yeah I'm, well that's and then it's i mean that's you know clearly the anxiety of life he's like yeah i got it too i'm yeah. tom petty i still got it yeah um hannah what was your favorite moment on the record 
My favorite moment is the start of Honeybee. It's just kind of unexpected. You all of a sudden just hear this like super gritty riff and you're like, oh, what am I in store for here? (laughs) That song is awesome. Yeah. A little bit of honeybee. Like that little thing. It's like so cute. (laughs) I know we're going to talk about this with, I know we're going to talk about this with uh, Word Nerd a little bit. Um, The things that you pull out from this album for me, uh, Honeybee in the lyrics there was um ben has used the phrase altered mind altered state uh, there may have been some altered state in the writing process for some of the lyrics on this album that is oh, just for sure I, what, what do you whatever could you mean <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll find out in word nerd later on in the show ben uh, f- favorite favorite uh moment on the record i mean there's so many of them you could pick out uh what, what did you choose you know i i was gonna say the the riff on on don't fade on me mm. but um and i think to expand that a little bit more is I think that honestly, that is the perfect cap to the album. Like take a higher place, put it up in the, in the rest of the tracks. It's a double LP. So you got two discs. I'm keeping the first one and I'm sending the other one to Valerie. <laughs> oh, but I I just love the, the first LP, the A side B side of the first LP on this so much. Hmm. But it, I think that that if if you were just were fading this album out, fade it to black, don't fade on me. That's just the perfect way to do it. So that whole song, it's my favorite song, but I think it's also just like that would be the perfect last track for me. It's such a producer thing to say. Like, oh, you should have <laughs> cut it there. <laughs> but I mean, well, if I'm gonna make some edits to a great piece of art, uh... I do think you're right though. In in terms of that, the the. The first half of the album is definitely have is definitely fully loaded, where the the second half isn't as like, I feel like yeah like but calling back to you I mean I don't know, it's so good. Li- listen to like seriously I'm not even kidding go like tonight before you go to bed literally just lie in bed with all the lights off, and like play that song and just try not tr- try not try not to sob yourself to sleep. yeah yeah. <laughs> This has been Therapy Hour with Valerie Tassi. Yeah, think about that cat that's going to be homeless soon and listen to that song. Um, Yeah, well, you know, Ben, to your point about cutting that last half, I'm I'm going to take the opposite and say the last track, Wake Up Time. Yeah. It's the the last minute or two. I I actually time-stamped it. It was like 4.30 into the song, and there's the strings, and there's the piano, and he starts, he actually kind of starts talking the lyrics and it's so different. It's such a change. He says, you're just a poor boy, a long way from home. He sings that part and he says, it's wake up time, time to open up your eyes. And there's this crescendo that just absolutely floors me, knocks me off my feet every time I hear it. And I hate that so much of it is linked to, and he's gone now, I know. And, you know, but so much of it is, I listen to that. I'm like, there he is talking to you at the end of this absolute monster of an album just saying it's wake up time and it's kind of that time to move on it's time to that's why to your point valerie i think it is despite all the drug <laughs> references it is a very hopeful and even crawling back to you, you know some of the sadder things that they talk about it's a very hopeful album and it's just i don't know there's something about it that was my easy my favorite moment um but we've we've talked a little bit, we've tensed a little bit around it. But um, let's go to the word nerd. I I think there's hope. I think there's loss. I think there's kind of the echoes from 
you know, relationship to relationship, year to year, decade to decade through this album. But I also think they talk about pot a lot. So Word Nerd, uh, what, <laughs> what did you pick as, as a great capsule of this album for the lyrics? I chose a part that is just very classic. And I feel like even if you're not a big Tom Petty fan, if you've heard Tom Petty, <laughs> you can sing along with these lyrics, which as is, the kids in my high school parking lot always did uh, go for it. <laughs> so let's get to the point. Let's roll another joint. Let's head on down the road. There's somewhere I got to go. And you don't know how it feels. You don't know how it feels to be me. I mean, there, I, I I hate to overuse this word. There's there's got to be a better word. I got to get the thesaurus. So they're very iconic, legendary lyrics. Like yeah. everyone knows a song. Like so many people can sing along to that part. Um, and it is kind of funny. Like there are um a lot of I think references to uh uh maybe you can say drugs on this show to drug cigarettes (laughs) drugs (laughs) marijuana (laughs) on uh oh no uh, don't my parents might hear it (laughs) no but i mean you're right hannah i mean you're absolutely right like it number one you have albums you have songs you have lyrics they are so classic and everybody knows them, whether they smoke pot or not, whether they're big Tom Petty, but they know them. And there's something about that that you you have to pull it out and you'd have to say, uh, you know, this this is one of those. But I also think it goes to that point. You know, we were talking about it before. Um, you look at the lyrics of this song. If you look at the lyrics of like so this song, obvious reference, but then you look at lyrics like honeybee. <laughs> I mean, I, I think he's talking about sex, but <laughs> but then towards the end, I, I guess I'm not so sure uh she give me her monkey hand and a rambler sedan i'm the king of milwaukee her juju beads are so nice she kissed my third cousin twice i'm the king of pomona well i've got something to say and at that point i'm like do tell (laughs) please keep telling me mr petty because i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) so i'm just saying there's a lot of i think that's a great lyric choice because there's a lot of a lot of clearly altered state thinking that was going in at least in the lyric writing um i don't know what do you think valerie strong ayahuasca vibes from that song (laughs) yes because you're just like what What? did you just say like is that a good thing what are my juju beats do i have them (laughs) sometimes i wonder if he was just like you know what i'm just gonna say the weirdest stuff i can and see if people are like still will fall for it you know what i mean where they're like it's got a good riff so i don't know like don't it's care. like it's so wild it's, it's so funny yeah i i mean it's just i don't know there's you could go any number of ways and you're right there's there's songs that you pull out and you're like these lyrics speak to me from a time of heartbreak or heartache or whatever it is and then there's also that sometimes a good lyric is just done well Nonsense. enough <laughs> but, yeah, but it pulls me. out yeah it pulls out that piece of Mm-hmm. Uh, this is kind of what the album is. It makes you feel, it makes you think, and you might even make you laugh a little bit. But uh, with that, as we always say here on the Real Wolf Record Club, it's time. We also do a thing called uh, Put It on a Playlist, where our resident weirdo, <laughs> Ben, uh, I, if you follow us on realwolfrecordclub.com, you can go and you can click playlists, and you see Ben has a very unique view on playlists. He's a, he's a recovering wedding DJ. So he got used to weird requests and putting together weird 
playlist. Oh, no. No wonder why you like Sublime. (laughs) (laughs) This all comes together. Uh, But Ben puts them all together for you, listener. Uh, You can follow us on Spotify and find out there. Uh, Put it on a playlist is where Ben gets to give you his his fractured view on this album and all albums. Ben, go ahead. What did you put on the playlist? Well, I'm putting on my playlist one of my favorite songs from this album, and that song is It's Good to Be King. Yeah. (laughs) But this isn't a one-song playlist. I'm putting some other songs on there as well. This is the part where everyone's like, oh, God. (laughs) So we've got the Ace of Spades by Motorhead, a classic metal song. We've got Mississippi Queen by Mountain off of the album, Climbing, exclamation point. We've got Jumpin' Jack Flash by the Rolling Stones and 10 Years Gone by Led Zeppelin. And that, that was just for Valerie because she's now discovered. A straight? Led Zeppelin. Is that like a straight in poker? Oh. So <laughs> what? that is a good question, Joe. What <laughs> in the hell do Ten these songs have in common? Jack. Yeah, that's a straight. But those of you listeners who like watching the World Series that doesn't involve baseball, you'll know poker that this is a full house. We've got Ace of Spades. We've got It's Good to Be King. We've got Mississippi Queen, Jumpin' Jack Flash, and Ten Years Gone by Led Zeppelin. Wait a second. I thought a full house was two of something and three of something. Or is that Yahtzee? Th- this is... <laughs> Which one Holy is... shit. Isn't Yahtzee played with dice? Yeah, it is. Which is it? <laughs> Valerie? I'm I'm watching no, I'm watching this house of cards fall. This is this is a house of cards falling. That is right, because I have just talked about a royal flush. But the name of this playlist is Full House. <laughs> and this playlist makes about as much sense as Danny Tanner living on High Street in San Francisco, despite Supporting what appears to be three family units on a sports ba- sports broadcaster's salary, so I guess sometimes a full house does beat a royal flush. I can't believe that you had to bring Dave Coulier back up like that. <laughs> we're just we're just gonna take this royal flush and we're gonna call it a full house. All right. <laughs> well, uh, that was. <laughs> Let's put it on a playlist with Ben. Um, if anyone out there uh, can assist uh, Ben with his understanding of card games or provide uh, gambling addiction services, please call us at the Real Wolf Record Club. Ben is in dire need of an understanding of the game. A full house, which Ben, by the way, also, we did talk about this before. I know you're looking for a confession from me. Uh, you're not going to get it. You're going to get You're going to get a straight-up declaration from me. Um John Stamos, Bob Saget, Dave Coulier, uh, Candace Cameron. Yeah, I'm going to say it. That's a great show. And I still watch Full House. <laughs> well, it yeah, it's it's one of the most beloved children's show of the 90s, Joe. It is. It's a family show. <laughs> Listen, there is nothing, like, there is something good in, like, would you call the soft cringe? 
like soft cringe. It's like you. <laughs> I'd say hard That's cringe. So funny. But like, well, hard cringe would be like, okay, I can't watch this or laugh at it because like, you know, that guy, you know, raped a donkey or something. Like, it's super bad. You Jesus, can't watch. <laughs> we're killing what? cats. We're what raping I'm donkeys. Hard a lot going on like, here. I shouldn't like this because it's horrible. Soft cringe is a little more like. Yeah, I mean, John's yeah. almost his music I think, video. Yeah, or or and just like that is very soft cringe because it's not a good show. Bingo. No, it's not. And have I watched every episode? Yes, yes I will. I did. Will I watch every one that comes out after? Yes, I will. Soft cringe. It's yeah. soft. It's like this is awful, but I'm mm-hmm. gonna watch it. And I, I, you know, when when they had John, like John Stamos's candlelit music video and he had his twin like he's supposed to be this rockin' uncle who rides a harley and then he has twins and in the video he's like naked with his twins or something i like. don't think he's naked what are you talking about check out the episode i might be misremembering it but yeah, what is this revisionist <laughs> history that's going on right now that or it's the mandala effect but you're the only one that remembers <laughs> he's not naked it's really it's it's soft cringe and you watch and you're like this isn't cool at all and no one would think this is cool but on the show you have to pretend it's cool they're like all like oh uncle jesse he's so cool anyways i know that's what you're looking for ben i'm not apologizing full house fan for life uh but that puts a cap on put it on a playlist check out all of our playlists on full or real fullhouse.com uh real wolf club.com you can also we'll tweet about it and we'll put it out there on social for you as well we're going to take one quick break on the real wolf record club and come back and give you our rating of wildflowers by tom petty with valerie tossing I'm Valerie Tossi, and you're listening to the Real Wolf Record Podcast. Welcome back to the Real Wolf Record Club. We are finishing up our conversation uh, with a very funny, very talented Valerie Tossi. We are talking about a fantastic album from the 90s, which I know I shouldn't say because we're about to rate it, but you know, you can gather. Uh, Wildflowers from Tom Petty is near and dear to a lot of us here on the show. So let's go through and, and let's give it our ranking, our patented ranking here on the Real Wolf Record Club, which is, of course, bury it. It's a piece of shit. You bury it like a cat. Get it out of here. Uh, yeah. Again with the cats. I can't. I know. I can't. <laughs> what if I just left right now? <laughs> You'd be like, I'm done. I'm not ranking. Not enough. This isn't funny. <laughs> I'm out. Uh, borrow it. You know, you might borrow. You say, yeah, it's got some stuff I'll listen to, but I don't need to own it. Uh, buy it or buy it again because you're just going to re- wear that thing out. One to stock, one to rock. Um, I'll give it. I'll just tell you right up front. I think this is a fantastic album. I think it's a perfect. I completely disagree with Ben. I. It's an album that I let play over and over and over and that's for me my brain the way it works i get brain takeover as i've mentioned on other other episodes where i just can't stop listening this is that album i, I just will keep playing keep going uh ben i just called you out what do you rank it what did you rank it your body oh, again? Bite again yeah clearly i'm mean, <laughs> give you the uh, people on bated breath everywhere wondering it's a fabulous album it's great <laughs> buy it again ben uh, where are you at all right, Joe, I'm going to buy this one, and I'm going to save you some money because I'm going to buy it, and I'm going to borrow permanently the second LP on this one. You're going to lend. Oh, you're going to borrow it yourself. You're not going to lend it. You'll lend it to me and save me money. Oh, yes. I, I will. Got it. 
who's the word nerd again? Um, <laughs> yes, I'm going to lend it to you. You will borrow it from me permanently. Uh, but I do. I like I said before. I love the the first LP. So it's it's tracks one through eight. I love it. I think that is perfect. And I just don't like the second half as much. Although there are some good songs, I, I really do like Higher Place. And now, like our listeners, we're gonna have to go back and take a listen to "Crawling Back to You," not "Cry." You know, Real Wolf Record Club Challenge. I think that's the first Real Wolf Record Club Challenge we have here. And uh, I'm gonna have to listen to "Wake Up Time." I'm gonna have to listen to Joe's moment. So, mm-hmm. you know, listeners, go back and listen to those two, and tell me if I'm wrong. Hannah, what do you got for this album? What record? Where you rank it? I'm going to buy it again. This is just such a classic 90s album that I'm going to listen to again and again and again. Um, it's tough when we live in the same house. It is. <laughs> yeah, I don't really have ah! a choice. <laughs> it, yeah, it is It is a fantastic album. Yeah, no, it's a fantastic album. And I am a sucker for nostalgia. And this album makes me nostalgic. So, yeah, it's a... A slam dunk for me. Mm. Valerie Tossi, you are our guest. You get the final word on this record. What do you rank? Buy it again and again and again and again. Mm. Love yeah. it. Yeah, it's a fantastic album. It's nostalgia for the 90s. It's nostalgia for just, just good music and happier times. And I think we'll get there. Um, Valerie, as we move out of this thing, as we get back on the road, as we start performing shows, where can our listeners, A, find out online, but also maybe see you live? Tell us about that. Sure. Um, so you can find me, my website's just ValerieTosse.com. Uh, my socials are the same handle everywhere. It's just at Valerie underscore Tossie. Uh, Instagram, Twitter is where I'm most active. I am trying to get it together on TikTok, but as I've told you, I am 37 and my knees hurt and it's <laughs> taking longer than I had anticipated. In May, I will be in um, Stockton, California and Lincoln, California. And in uh, September, just because I'm trying to figure out where the heck I'm going to be. I will be at the new comedy club in Massachusetts. It is called Off Cabot. It's in Beverly, Mass. My dad's hometown. I oh, will be there. Yeah. I'm getting there. heckled by your family. Yeah. Well, they're in Florida now. So now, well, at least my parents are, my brother, but the rest of them will be there heckling. Oh, I love that. It's so good to hear, have you here on the Real Wolf Record Club. And it's so good to hear that that uh, you're doing well in comedy is is doing well uh thank you for being here on the real wolf record club valerie tossy listeners check her out valerietossy.com and all of her social handles that she just told you check out her album beach trash which is so funny so fantastic and she's giving you some more insight about it here on the episode check us out at realwolfrecordclub.com our twitter handle is realwolfrc instagram at Real Wolf Record Club. You can find information about our episodes, upcoming guests, past guests, past episodes, merch. We got merch. Put it on a t-shirt, not put it on a playlist. Uh, Join the club. Be part of the conversation. This has been the Real Wolf Record Club. This has been the Real Wolf Record Club podcast. The Real Wolf Record Club is a production of Real Wolf Productions, LLC, a limited liability company. The show is produced today by Ben Head. Our panelists were Ryan McInnes, Hannah Vantomi, and I'm your host, Joe Vantomi. Follow us and join the club on Instagram at Real Wolf Record Club. On Twitter at Real Wolf RC. Go to our website to find links to the episodes, upcoming news and information, as well as a link to buy merch from our very own Ward Sutton at 
www.realwolfrecordclub.com. Join us next episode when we discuss the eclectic 1969 album Abbey Road by the Beatles. Hey, baby, it's about